We continue our sermon series today, The Defects of Jesus, and today's topic is Jesus, a man of impossible dreams. So here now our scripture from the beginning of Jesus's public ministry in the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit and returned from Galilee from the wilderness and a report about him spread through all the surrounding countryside. Jesus began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Jesus. And he said to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Please pray with me. Holy God, in this place, in this time, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It has been 14 days since we've hosted worship here in our sanctuary and 21 days since all of you were here in this holy space with us. We are grateful to be back here in this holy of holies to make room for sacred music and, so we thought, have more dependable technology. There are just the four of us here, Bill and I, Susan, our organist, and our audiovisual expert, Joel, who keeps us electronically connected. These people in AV roles have become so desperately critical these last weeks all over the globe. So we offer today a blessing on Joel's ministry here and for all of those who make way for us to feel connected. Do we also pray for the internet? That God might bless our connectional infrastructure so that we can remain together despite isolation. Even My Netflix account, I have found, seems to remind me of our current reality. All of the TV shows I watch seem to have people shaking hands or giving hugs or showing up in a crowded place or going to a restaurant. It seems to highlight how quickly this social distancing has changed things for us. Across the congregation, some of you are cooped up and inconvenienced. Others of you feel deeply isolated and alone. Some are worried about vulnerable family members. And some of you are high risk yourselves. 
while still others of you are or have been truly sick these last couple of weeks, trying to figure out how to keep your own families from getting sick while depending on them even more to bring you warm soup or more Tylenol, all with gloved hands and disinfectant spray at the ready, all of us are impacted. And everyone has advice, too. One of you forwarded me the video from our local Samaritan Counseling Center who suggested, among other things, to focus this week on mindful breathing, which is, of course, an ancient practice woven into our Christian faith, that Christian faith that holds at the core a way of contemplative or silent prayer. Psalm 46, which has long been a favorite of mine, says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know God is with us. Such stillness holds power today, as does the work of resting in the presence of God. And I was surprised this week when I was able to be silent with someone over the internet on those now ubiquitous Zoom calls, I was astonished that the silence that we held between us carried that same kind of prayerful power that silence holds when you and I are in the same room together. So I invite you to find a way to breathe mindfully this week, maybe on your own, or maybe ask someone to sit silently with you, even if you can't be in the same room. It's possible in a new way in these days. Nick Yaris also had a chance to offer some advice on how to survive social distancing. Yaris spent 22 years on death row in solitary confinement for a crime that he did not commit. He was later exonerated with the help of the Innocence Project in 2003 using new forms of DNA evidence that helped free him. So he knows what it is like to be isolated and alone and confined. So here's his advice. First, and it's a simple one, cut the negativity out of your social media feed. Second, Spend time focusing on nature and animals. Pet your dog, go for a walk, watch the spring flowers push up from the earth. Third, create structure to your day, he says. So don't, don't let time spill out in front of you. Find a way to be an architect of your time so that your days take on meaning. Fourth, he said that he taught himself yoga while he was in prison for 22 years using a small washcloth as a yoga mat. And then every day he would take that same washcloth and clean his small prison cell. So he invites us to use our bodies, feel the muscles at work under your skin, clean your closets, sweep your floor, do the exercise video your coworker recommended for you. Clean out your closets, he recommended. Finally, Yaris says, kindness and being polite cost us nothing and give us everything. 
kindness, he says, will decrease your strength, your stress, and give you strength. Vietnamese Cardinal Van Thuan, who also spent years in solitary confinement, said something similar. He said, live in the present moment and fill it with love. Cardinal Van Thuan is, of course, if you've been following along this season of Lent, at the center, he is at the center of our sermon series on the defects of Jesus. He was a Vietnamese Catholic priest during the fall of Saigon in 1975 when many of the priests were arrested. He was a gifted leader and a charismatic preacher who was suddenly thrown into prison, taken away from his people, and offered no easy way to communicate with the outside world. In fact, many of his friends in that 13-year period assumed that he had died in prison since they hadn't heard from him in so long. In the heat, surrounded by mosquitoes, he wrote letters to his people in those early days. But when his captors moved him to North Vietnam, he realized that this would be a complete reorientation of his ministry. The prison yard, he said, became his cathedral. It was a prison, yes, but it became for him the most beautiful of cathedrals. The people he was with, 1,500 other prisoners, became his church and the place where he could be a minister to a flock, a place where he could live in the moment and fill it with love. So that's what he did. He loved the people he was with, the other prisoners and the guards who watched over him. It was an impossible dream that Cardinal Van Tuan held for 13 years. Live in the present moment and fill it with love. Even when he was suffering, even in the nine years of solitary confinement, even when his life was in danger, live in the present moment and fill it with love. He said that deep in the anxious beginning, in those early days of his time in prison, he felt physically weak and mentally fatigued. But soon enough, he remembered, you are still rich with the love of Jesus. He held on to that impossible dream. And we, too, are a people of impossible dreams. If your third grader ever memorized and recited the Ten Commandments here at Kenilworth Union Church, you already know the impossible dreams of our faith. And I'm not talking about the impossibility of memorizing the Ten Commandments, though at times that may feel like an impossible dream, too. We come from a long line of, a long lineage of impossible dreams. Just the Ten Commandments alone seem impossible. For example, honor the Sabbath by taking one day of rest each week. Who even did that before this shelter-in-place order? Do not lie, do not steal. The foundation of our faith sits on impossible dreams. Before that, Moses had an impossible dream that one day there would be a way out of slavery in Egypt. And before that, even at the very beginning, God had an impossible dream, that all of this 
sunrise and moonrise and the great cacophony of life on earth, all of it would be called good. Cardinal Van Tuan, while serving his time in prison, was often asked why he followed Jesus. Why risk everything for the sake of the gospel, they asked him. And the cardinal would reply, I love Jesus, but I love him most because of his defects. And Jesus had many, he claimed. Jesus had no long-range plan, no sense, no common sense. Jesus was bad at math. Jesus took imprudent risks. But those defects, those shortcomings of Jesus, they were the very things that amplified Van Tuan's love for Jesus. So I would add to that list of defects Jesus's impossible dreams. It's no surprise that Jesus has impossible dreams. His way of seeing the world was influenced by the poetry of the Psalms and the urgings of the prophets, who said that the lion would lie down with the lamb and the good shepherd would prepare a banquet for us in the presence of our enemies. The Bible is one long story of impossible dreams. And today's scripture passage is exactly that, Jesus's thesis statement on his impossible dream for us. By quoting ancient scripture and then preaching an eight-word sermon, Jesus sums up his whole plan, his whole impossible dream. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and the Lord has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus's impossible dream is one of healing and reconciliation. It's about the healing of our physical bodies and our healing, the healing of our economic lives as well. Jesus's impossible dream is about the possibility of a return to community and an increase of justice. So Jesus's impossible dream has the power to speak to us today. For there are health ramifications in our current situation and there have been and are and will be economic ramifications. That Jesus's impossible dreams include economic justice should not surprise us and might even help us to frame and understand how we respond in the days ahead. Jesus is constantly approving of sharing of resources and giving to the poor and offering physical ways out of suffering and working to heal the nations. The scripture passage Jesus reads in this, uh, in this Gospel of Luke comes from the book of Isaiah, from chapter 58 and 61, both of which point to an even more ancient impossible dream of God's people, an ancient dream in which people help one another. They share bread with the poor and shelter the homeless. They set people free from economic bondage. These are ancient values that have tangible consequences and make possible healing and hope in our world. And it's starting to happen today, too. 
I am hearing from you that you are reaching out to your neighbors and helping homeless shelters and caring for medical workers and their families. You are feeding the hungry and comforting those who are grieving. You are rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. You are living into the impossible dreams that Jesus sets before us today. Jesus is calling us to something new in the midst of these impossible days. There is work to be done. Living under the banner of Jesus' impossible dreams, we will find a way to care for the sick and tamp out this virus. We will teach our children from home. We will work from our home office, or we will work deep in the trenches of essential roles and work harder now than we have in years. We may live more isolated and alone, but just for this season, just for this moment in history. We will make all kinds of sacrifices, and there will be loss and grief and tenderness. And we will live into everything that is impossibly hard about this. And we will have hope, and we will develop a routine, and we will laugh, and we will be kind, and we will be creative, and we will be community, even though we are apart. We will make music, and we will rest, and we will love, and we will be mindful and silent and dwell in the presence of God. And we will join Jesus in his impossible dreams to proclaim good news to the poor and proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the way of God's love, a love that is possible here and now in the midst of it all. May it be so for you and for us an impossible dream in these impossible days. Amen.